What's up, everybody? My name is Mark, and welcome to South Point. Whether you are here physically or online, I am so glad that you joined us today, especially if this is your first time. Really glad that you are here. And here's the deal. Even though all of us are watching the same content, you're all watching me technically right now, whether you're in person or online, we all have a different perspective of what you're watching right now. It's kind of weird when you think about it, but I mean, all of us grew up maybe differently. Like some of us grew up this whole Christianity thing from, from a youth, from, the, from your youth, like from your childhood, you were growing up, going to church, believing in Jesus. Some of us, maybe this is all this Jesus Bible church stuff is brand new to you right now. Um, for some, you had a, a mix of different religions or worldviews or philosophies growing up. Maybe you never went. Um, for some, you know, honestly, you're just watching or, or listening to see what we believe, to see with whether maybe you agree with us or not. And then for some, maybe you're seriously just searching for truth. You're, you're looking for answers because you have lots of questions. We all have different perspectives. And so when we look at something, we all see different things right? I'll give you a, a silly kind of illustration, but it's true. Uh, about 17 years ago, uh, my wife and I took our kids, our three kids to a Mexican restaurant. This is when we lived in Kentucky, okay? So it's one of our favorite Mex Mexican restaurants. We've been there many times and we love Mexican food. Oh my gosh. So you know how like when you're in a Mexican restaurant, typically you're waiting for your food and you get to eat chips and salsa nonstop, like gorge yourself on them before the food comes. Well, that's what we were doing. We we're sitting at the table and my oldest current, probably four, maybe five at the time, he said, whoa, look at that sandcastle. It's so cool. And we're like, what sandcastle? It's a Mexican restaurant, Curran. There's no sand in here. And sure enough, he keeps going on and on about this sandcastle. It's so cool. And now the other kids are looking for it. And Cindy and I are thinking, you're probably making this up. You're just messing with it. Stop it, Curran. It's not funny anymore. Say, no, look, it's right there. And he's pointing over to this place on the wall. And we're like, Curran, there is no sandcastle anywhere. We're looking everywhere. Sure enough, He's adamant, pointing over in this area. And then we look at this poster, okay? There's a poster on the wall, and there's about four or five girls in bikinis holding beer, okay? It's a beer poster. That's what it is. But sure enough, behind the four or five girls in bikinis holding beer, there's a beach. And on that beach, there's a sandcastle. He was right. There is a sandcastle. And before you say, oh, it's a guy, Mark, all you notice is, no, my wife didn't see it either. Like, we couldn't see the sandcastle. From our perspective, we didn't see it. Curran didn't notice the girls. He noticed the sandcastle as a four or five-year-old kid. It's funny, isn't it? That's why we started this series called Conflicted, because the truth is we all have different perspectives on the things that we experience in this life. We wanted to get a biblical perspective because Christians are supposed to show the world what God, loves, what God looks like. What, we're supposed to show the world what biblical Christianity is, but the truth is, sadly, a lot of Christians don't even know what the biblical perspective is. They don't even know what's in Scripture. And so we wanted to take a look at some of the most controversial topics of our day, like racism, politics, and justice, and give you a biblical perspective of these. If you've missed the, the previous messages, I really encourage you to go online and watch them or listen to the podcast. But we're all conflicted about these things. And what we're proposing is this, that God created this universe. And so his perspective, his view is honestly the best. It brings the most peace. It's the wisest course of action for us today in this life. And so that's what we want you to know what the biblical perspective is on these things. And God created this. And so of course he would know what to do. And I'm not trying to say that the Bible answers every single question that you're ever going to have in your lifetime. But what I am saying is that God's word, the Bible is trustworthy to know how to live this life. Second Timothy 
Uh, I mean, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture, notice, is God-breathed. Not just a a, a section or a chunk of it. All scripture is God-breathed. And what is it good for? To equip us. To equip us for the good works that we're going to have in this life. Do you believe that? Christians, you need to believe that. We need to know what God's word says. And then if you're here today, if you're watching this online or in person, and maybe you're not a believer, then I'm, again, one, I'm glad that you are here because many in your position wouldn't even come, wouldn't listen. I'm glad that you're here. You may not agree with everything that I say today, but I hope you get a better perspective of what the Bible says and where we're coming from. Next week is our last um, uh, message in this series, Conflicted, and we're going to be getting a biblical perspective on drugs and weed, another topic that a lot of us, a lot of people are conflicted on, so I hope you make plans to be here. But today, we are talking about science, and now that's a broad term. We could talk about so many things, but I only have about two hours in this message today. Just kidding. (laughs) I have about 25 minutes in this message, and so I'm only going to talk about something very kind of condensed here. We're going to talk about does the Bible and science contradict? Has, the, has science somehow proven that God doesn't exist or that the Bible is false? That's what we're going to talk about specifically today. And listen, I've read a lot about this, but I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not. I'm not the most scholarly person. There's a lot of people who know more about this than me. I'm not a scientist. I'm trying to put myself in the right position here. And that's kind of where I want to start. I want to ask you a question. It's kind of random, but it's going to get us somewhere. Who do you think is the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan? LeBron James, Will Chamberlain, somebody else. Like, what about football? Who do you think is the greatest football player of all time? Who do you think is the greatest president of all time? Who do you think is the greatest actor or actress or the greatest movie of all time? It doesn't matter. Like, the truth is everybody looks at the same data, facts, and figures, and stats, and yet they come to very different conclusions, right? Crazy. But people would say, well, the facts are facts, right? And numbers don't lie, right? But yet the same people who, both fans of Michael Jordan and LeBron James say the same thing. Well, numbers don't lie. And they use numbers to prove their point. There are people who believe Harry Potter is the greatest film series in the history of the world, and they use the same data, right? It's crazy. We all come to different conclusions. Here's what I want you to understand, and we all know it, but I want to say it up front. There are a lot of very, very smart, highly intellectual, educated people that do not believe that God exists. Some even believe that God cannot exist, that the Bible is not just uh, not true, but it's completely false. And then there are a lot of very, very smart, highly intellectual, educated people from the same universities with the same degrees, looking at the same evidence that believe that God does exist. And that the Bible is not just accurate, but it's divine. How can that be? I'm from North Carolina, okay? from the South, right? And so there's this term that I've heard people use kind of in a derogatory slur kind of way towards people in the South, the word hillbilly, right? Have you ever heard it? Maybe you even use it sometimes to, uh, you know, to kind of talk about when someone does something silly or not so smart, you may call them you hillbilly or something like that, right? It just means that maybe you're not, un- you're uneducated, unintelligent, that kind of thing, right? Listen, I'm not trying to get apologies. I'm not trying to cancel the word or anything like that. I'm just saying that sometimes educated people, smart people like you, and even myself, right? Sometimes we say things that aren't exactly educated, right? We're looking at something that really we don't know anybody. We don't know people from the South, but we just say things because we say them, right? 
I understand that there are many, there are, there are some Christians that have and still do believe some really weird things that are not scientific. And honestly, they're not biblical either. I understand that there are some Christians who are anti-science, that don't have anything to do with science. I get that. I understand that. But because there are a few who have or do believe those things or have done those things, does that mean the Bible is wrong or unscientific? Because of the actions of a few, does that mean the truth claims of Christianity are false? Well, no, of course not. And that's the point, because many want you to believe that. Because if you can't argue the facts, right, let's just attack the people. And isn't that true today? Doesn't it seem like people who are honestly like Christians, like believe in biblical Christianity, that the the Bible is 100% God's word, aren't they oftentimes portrayed as uneducated, backwards, unintelligent, not reasonable. I mean, watch Netflix, any TV show, any movie nowadays, listen to some of the top 100 songs on the charts, right? Turn on Disney. My goodness, go to any school anywhere just about, and what are you going to hear? That belief in a God, belief in the Bible in particular, is outdated and ignorant. Well, is that true? Listen, sometimes we discredit people instead of talking about the facts. Because we disagree with one another, we try to prove ourselves instead of talk about the evidence. Just like sometimes we can say, well, I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. And that's what the facts say. And if you believe LeBron is, you're just dumb. Hmm. I just went away from talking about scientific objective facts, ignoring them, bending them. And if you think that scientists and the secular community are above or superhuman somehow above the bias that human nature brings to us, well, then I think you're just mis... You don't understand human nature very well, right? Because scientists are just humans like you and I. We're all humans. And they are just as... They can tend to be just as, I guess, ego, full of ego and biased as you and I. They can be misled or mislead others just as easily as you or I. And sometimes, instead of talking about the objective facts, they can want to prove themselves to be correct. And so they can ignore the facts or bend the facts or use... Preach propaganda instead of objective facts to prove their position as opposed to talk about the data. Listen to theoretical physicist Marcelo Gleiser. He's a self described agnostic, all right? And he's at Dartmouth College, a very prestigious university. He says this I'm not going to lie about what science can and cannot do because politicians are misusing science and trying to politicize the scientific discourse. If you don't want to be honest and transparent, you're just going to become a liar like everybody else. And then he goes on to say, I see atheism as, an, as being inconsistent with the scientific method as it is, essentially belief and non-belief. You may, be, you may not believe in God, but to affirm its non-existence with certainty is not scientifically consistent. What is he saying? He's saying what I just said, that sometimes scientists can say things that are not very scientific. They can step outside the bounds of science and make faith claims, belief statements. We're all, we all do that. 
And he actually goes on to say that all of us, no matter what position or where we come from, we should have more humility when talking about these kinds of conversations and discussions, which I find very refreshing, but also very biblical. Look at Psalms 8, 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, creation, the universe, right? The moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? Who do we think we are? I mean, we are these tiny specks, right? Like, why would God even, who are we? You see, when we lose that humility, when we think we're somebody, when we're important, we can begin to lose the proper perspective that we need to have when talking about the beginning of the universe and all kinds of situations and discussions. Whether you're a Christian or not doesn't matter. Admitting that there's a whole lot more that we don't know than we do know And that there's a lot of things that we probably never will know definitively since we weren't there in the beginning is a humble place to start. But it's also just true, just smart. Listen, everybody's looking at the same information, the same evidence, same degrees from the same institutions, same educations, and yet they have different different outcomes, different different beliefs. Why? How can that be? Because we're coming from different perspectives. The secular scientific community typically come come from some kind of scientific materialism view. It's a worldview, a view that says that the material world is all that exists. Uh, Atheistic uh, scientist, self-proclaimed Carl Sagan, used to popularize this view back in the early 80s with his TV show. And he would always say, often say, every show he would say, the cosmos is all there is, All, all there has been, all there is, and all there will ever be. And it's a catchy, kind of fun thing to say, and that probably is what he personally believes, but did he have evidence for that? He never presented evidence to prove that, but that's his belief. I mean, has he been to all of the cosmos and universe to know that that's all that there is? Has he been in all of the time frames to know that that's all there ever will be? No. You see, he stepped outside of true science to make a belief statement, a faith statement, that he personally holds to. Sagan and Gleiser are reminders that not everything that scientists say is always scientific. They're humans, just like you and I. If science only deals with the natural, then really how can science make too many, make a statement about the non-material, non-natural world? And when they do that, aren't they doing the very same thing they're criticizing people of faith for doing? Yeah. See, Science sometimes is portrayed as a sacred cow that you can't question, but it shouldn't be. And oftentimes, science can become like a religion that's based on faith speculations and a naturalistic worldview more than true science, which leads us to our big idea today. Science and scripture correspond because God is the author of both. Listen, you have nothing to fear. Science is a beautiful thing because it's a study of what God has created. So we shouldn't be afraid of or be anti-science. Science is a beautiful thing. What some people do in the scientific community is false or not, not facts. Some will want to turn the Bible into a spiritual book, right? And be careful because a lot of Christians buy into this. Yeah, that the Bible gives us great spiritual truths about love and morality and ethics, but when it comes to verifiable scientific things, it's not trustworthy. And some want to believe that and say, oh, that's great. They'll accept the Bible as a book that we should read. But no, don't buy into that because it's a lie. It's not true. Think about this. If, If this book, if this book you could trust a book that, was, that talked about um, supernatural or spiritual truths that cannot be verified, but the things that can be verified or inaccurate, 
then why would you believe it? Because if it's proven to be false about certain areas, why wouldn't it also be false possibly in other areas? But yet here's the deal. The Bible, the Bible that we have today, yes, it was written in pre-scientific times. And yes, it's not a scientific textbook to tell us everything that maybe we would like to know about how God did certain things. But yet it never, it does not contradict any of the scientific discoveries over the centuries. Matter of fact, the truth is, all of the scientific discoveries that science, men, humankind, have have discovered over the years has actually proven that the Bible has been accurate all along. Insights that only the Creator could have had before mankind, humans, discovered them are found in God's Word. Let me give you just a few examples. Insights into biology and medicine. Listen, the principles of quarantining, which are really affecting us right now, and waste disposal are found in Scripture before science came up with them. Methods to control contamination, the idea, the fact that life is in our blood was a huge one that God talks about before science understood, that things that the Bible says we should avoid actually contribute to a better physical and mental health, like our lives are better, things that uh, avoiding the abuse of alcohol, gluttony, sexual immorality, um, and stress, all of them are found there. Insights into agricultural, like uh, the principle of letting land rest to replenish the soil, is in scripture before we knew it as humankind. Uh, Insights into geology. You know that um, the the hints of a hydrologic cycle, you know, that we used to make posters about in elementary school about the water comes down and then goes back up, right? That wasn't wasn't really even known in the scientific community until the 1700s. And yet Job um, 26, 36, 27, 28 says this. He draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture and abundant showers fall on mankind. The idea of currents in the oceans found in Psalm 8.8. and Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about uh, the global airflow, like the air, the air current, the wind patterns throughout the world. He didn't have satellite or tools to be able to know the global air patterns. And yet he writes in Ecclesiastes 1.6, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along and on its circular courses, the wind returns. It's insane. It's accurate. It talks about astronomy. Listen, most believed that the world, uh, the world was flat for centuries. People even say that the Bible teaches that the world was flat, which is inaccurate. Uh, 700 years before Christ, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 40, 22. It is he who sits above the what? The circle of the earth. And some Hebrew scholars actually say the Hebrew word there means actually sphere. But it's not flat. It's round, right? And while cultures believed for centuries that the world was, the earth itself was like hung up or was was rested on like Atlas's back or elephant's backs or something was holding up the earth in in, in space. Here's what Job wrote 2,000 years before before Christ. In Job 26, 7, he stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on what? Nothing which is exactly what we know to be true. Science, not that long ago, used to think that you could catalog and name all the stars. They thought that there's maybe 1,100 stars in the universe. And in AD 100, Ptolemy was actually doing that, trying to catalog all the stars. And yet, uh, Jeremiah, 700 years earlier, says the host of heaven cannot be counted. I mean, astronomers now say that there's about 100 billion stars in our galaxy and possibly a billion galaxies. Uncountable, right? Exactly like scripture says. As air has weight, the complexity of DNA, light, 
is in motion, the universe is expanding, and the first law of thermodynamics are all in the Bible, hundreds of years before scientific community discovered them. It's amazing. Perhaps one of the biggest and most recent, the second law of thermodynamics, right, that says that things tend to decay over time. Well, the Bible references the earth is decaying and wearing out. And it also says that earth's I mean, space, time, and matter had a beginning. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, right? Well, until 60 years ago, that was unthinkable in the secular scientific community. They believed that the, earth, the universe was, uni- it was, it was eternal. It didn't have a beginning. And to think anything else was uneducated, silly religion. But then in the 60s, guess what? They called it the Big Bang, but they realized that the universe has a beginning, which proves Genesis 1.1, to the, to the dismay of many scientists. The order of creation. Now, again, some will discredit or, or disagree about the timing and the time it took, but the order that you find of creation in Genesis, the scientific community used to laugh at, and yet now they recognize it's accurate. The Bible is accurate. You don't have to force science to fit into the Bible. The facts, as they come up, will prove, will show you that the Bible for, is, is trustworthy. It's accurate. It's amazing. It's crazy. Don't let Sagan um, and, and the scientists or, or politicians that Gleiser was talking about fool you. The Bible is astonishingly accurate when it comes to verifiable scientific truths. It's crazy. What about all those miracles, though? Because people talk about this, right? What about all those miracles in the Bible? Surely a rational person can't believe those. Well, first, you have to ask this question. Can science really make a judgment or statement about the non-natural world, okay? That is not to say that miracles contradict science. It's that science deals with the natural, the repeatable, the things that are bound by the nature of law, law of nature, right? And so uh, Jonah being swallowed by a fish, Moses parting the Red Sea, the resurrection of Jesus Christ are all unrepeatable events that you can't take through a scientific method, right? And yet science says that miracles cannot exist, do not exist. They cannot. There has to be some kind of natural explanation because they have those that say that come from a naturalistic worldview, scientific materialism, that matter is all that exists. But when they do that, that is being biased, and not even recognizing the possibility by their presuppositions. And when they do that, they do the very same thing that they are complaining that people of faith do. It's amazing. The truth is this. Here, someone asked Jay Kessler, who is a former president of Youth for Christ. Um, he's, he's, he was a college president, so he's, he's above average in intelligence. Okay, this is a smart dude. And someone asked him, hey, as a college president, smart guy, in a world where we know how to split the atom, in a world where we sent people to space and on the moon, like, do you really believe that a God created some kind of fish that's big enough to swallow a, a, a person, a human? Jay Kessler, his response was classic. He said this, let me tell you, I not only believe that he can make such a fish, but the God who made the sun and the moon and the stars, if he wanted to, could air condition and carpet the fish. <laughs> All right, think about this. People won't ask about miracles. Listen, I understand that it's, it's weird, right? It doesn't make sense. But the real question isn't, do miracles exist? The real question, and let's just be honest about this, is did God create the universe? That's the real question. Was the universe created by a God? Because if it was, then science doesn't contradict God. God created it. So these one-time events fully make sense if there's a God who created a universe. That's the question. 
And that's the question that a lot of people want to tell you that it's not even rational to believe. And yet the evidence suggests that it's more than just a rational belief. It makes sense with the evidence that we see around us. Listen, when you ask the question, does the supernatural and, and, the, and science contradict? Do they contradict one another? Yes and no. No, because they, I mean, are they compatible? Yes and no. Because true biblical Christianity is fully compatible with intellectually honest, open-minded science, which admits the possibility of a God. Simple as that. But Christianity and a naturalistic worldview, scientific materialism, that worldview, that perspective, will always be at war, at war with each other because they come from a different perspective. Not because of the evidence, not because of the facts, but because of the worldview. I want to give you an example and actually, no, I don't want to give you an example. Gerald Schro- I want Gerald Schroeder, a really smart guy who has a couple of doctorates, doctoral degrees from MIT, was on the physics staff of MIT for several years, and then was a part of global disarmament, nuclear disarmament for many, many, many years. Um, many countries invited him to uh, consult with their programs, nuclear programs. Like, he's a really smart guy. I want him to give you an example because this is a short segment from a video that he made. It's a five-and-a-half-minute video that I encourage you to watch on your own. This is just a short clip from it where he says that science Science has actually proven that God exists. You're not going to hear that very often, are you? Watch this. And one of the questions that I'm asking the scientists is how can a scientist really believe that there's something that we refer to as God? You know, is this metaphysical whatever acting in the world or producing the world? The irony is the question is really not start. Science has in fact discovered God. You can talk to the hardline atheists and they will say, it looks like science hasn't even discovered God. How are we going to have this idea of if you're God or not? Notice that the creation force is the three-letter word G-O-D. If you look at the words carefully, it's a quantum fluctuations. That understanding was first brought down by a trial brilliant being in the journal nature almost 40, 50 years, 40, 50 years. The universe allows creation of something from nothing, Provided you have the laws of nature, your quantum fluctuations. Try and realize in published in journal Nature, one of the two leading peer-reviewed journals in the world, that you can create something from absolute nothing, provided you've got the laws of nature, quantum physics, and the laws of relativity. No, the laws of nature. So look what science has discovered. We can create the universe from absolute nothing, provided we have the, the, the forces of nature. Now, the laws of nature, the forces of nature are physical, they act on the physical. So if they create the universe, that means they predate the universe. So now we have a set of forces, we call them the laws of nature, that are not physical, that are able to act on the physical, they create the physical from absolute nothing. And they predate the universe, which means they predate our understanding of time. Put that together, it sounds very familiar. If you haven't noticed it, that's the biblical definition of God. <laughs> he's a really smart guy literally he just used all of the words on that little graphic and you go watch this video on your own all of those words come straight off the NASA website what secular scientists use and say that disproves that there is a God he says actually proves that there is a God because they say that there is this thing that's non-physical it's not physical that acts on the physical it created the physical from absolutely nothing which is exactly what scripture says and it predates the universe all that we know Secular science says the law of nature is, the Bible calls it God. How amazing is that? 
Romans 1 is so appropriate right now. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Carl Sagan also once said this, if we must worship a power greater than ourselves, does it not make sense to revere the sun and the stars? Romans 1 had it right from the beginning. Some will just choose to worship the created instead of what's obvious in front of them, refuse to worship a creator. We've got a resource for you. I want you to go do some study on your own. Listen, science is a beautiful thing because it's a study of what God has created. So science is not anti-God. It's what some do with it. So go read on your own. Here's some great resources. Text the word resource to the number that will be on the screen, 734-890-5454. We'll leave it up there for a minute. So text that number. You're going to get a link, and you're going to get a document that you can find some of the resources. We can go do some study on this for your own to learn about this. Science has done many wonderful things for us, but it has not proven to be the savior of humanity. It has limits. It's not infallible. Science can help us with things, questions like how, how has God organized the universe? How has he designed mankind, uh, human beings, and how does he govern nature? But Christianity, biblical Christianity, sets up the foundation to answer questions like uh, why are we here? Why do we exist? And how do we live in this world? See, science can't answer that which again points us to our big idea today, which is science and scripture correspond because God is the author of both. Listen, we don't need to be afraid. We don't want to be anti-science. We need to understand science is the study of what God has created and it's a beautiful thing. A friend of mine and a member here at South Point actually texted me something a few weeks ago. It was a part of an ongoing discussion that we have about science and God and, and many other things, but he texted me this and it really stuck with me. I want to read it to you. How much proof is required? At what point is faith no longer valuable? Look at the positions of what angels know, and they can only choose to honor or to have contempt. We can offer the sacrifice. We humans can offer the sacrifice of faith. You surrender vision for a while to honor the voice of God. Hmm. We can offer the sacrifice of faith. Listen, you don't have to have all of your questions answered before you can come to faith in Christ. But you can't look at the evidence in front of you and see that it's very reasonable to believe that it's true. That God exists, that he created this, and that his perspective is the wisest course of action for you and for others in the world that we live. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to an experiment. Why don't you call out to Christ? Test him. He says that if you seek him, you will find him. If you open the door, he's going to come in. Listen, it's only through the supernatural that you're going to understand the meaning, the purpose of your life, that you're not an insignificant speck random in the universe, that you were created specifically, uniquely by him, that he knows you, loves you, created you just the way that you are. He loves you so much that he died for you. That's the God of the Bible that created this universe. If you want to talk to someone about this, maybe taking a next step in faith or even being baptized saying yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time, text us or email us right now, please, whether you're in the auditorium or online. Let us know. Reach out to us, and we're going to to get that, and we're going to respond to you and help you, pray with you, help you take a next step, maybe even be baptized today. If you're here in person, after the service, you can go out in the lobby in meeting rooms A, B, C, or D, and there'll be someone you can specifically talk to if you would like to. Respond. 
to Christ. It's amazing how, how amazing he is in the biblical perspective of the world that he created. There's a lot of things we don't know, but he does. And he's going to show you. So, hey, thanks for being with us today. I'm glad that you are here. As we leave, please keep in mind social distancing as you exit the building. Um, be sure to wish each other kind of a blessed week. Say what's up. And then stay close to God. Stay connected with God and with us. And have an amazing, blessed week. Adios.